Hola, hola. Welcome to the Bruja Broadcast. This is Dion. And Sasha. Join us today as we serve up some Brujeria Latina with a side of astrology and herbology bundled with some stories and sass. You ready? Yep. Hola, hola. Welcome back. Hola, hola. Hi. So today we are back to talk a little bit about uh, the thinning of the veil and kind of what to expect, what can happen, how to make it stronger, and what else? And um, we were going to talk a little bit about like ancestors and how, and spirit guides and how the thinning of the veil affects or doesn't affect your work with them. Yeah. Hey. Good on. All so right. let's get started. I think the first thing that we need to talk about is what the heck is the thinning of the veil? Yes. <laughs> kind of get started there. Um, what do you, what do you have for that? Cause I mean, so, mm-hmm. so for me, just the thinning of the veil is, well, first you kind of have to acknowledge there are the two worlds. There's the living world and then the world that's passed on the unseen. And then when the veil thins, it's kind of like access is more available between those two worlds. Right. I think I, I mean, I didn't look up the historical background on this um, term but I think it's basically that same thing this idea that there is actually like a curtain or a veil that's separating um, the physical world and the spiritual world and then um, and at certain times of the year basically from the equinoxes right mm-hmm. near the equinoxes and until like the following month or so like the until the midpoint of the next um sp- Six weeks, basically, right? Okay. I started. I'm, I'm trying to do math here in my head. Okay, <laughs> sorry, it's too early for that. Um, but basically, you know, from the thinning of the veil, um, from from the equinox until six weeks later, for me, that's like the period where those veils thin. So we have about twelve weeks in the year, right? Okay, right. Um, and that period of the time is the time when um, it's just basically like the veil has kind of been lifted a little bit. The connection in between the physical and the spiritual world is much closer and it's not as like the curtain has been hasn't been like fully drawn right like at the end of a, a, a theater performance they throw all the full curtain with all the layers on right right but in between they just do like the thin one or mm-hmm. like in your hotel room that you have like the blackout curtains and then the pretty ones so it's just like the blackout curtains have been opened but the pretty ones still are there right like you the can silhouette ones the, yeah yeah you can still see like the outside and the sun and stuff like mm-hmm. that kind of like that would be the expression so when the veil thins, everybody can feel the spirit world more, mm-hmm. even people who aren't in tune and people who aren't practicing. And that's why like ghost stories and, you know, situations coming back or suddenly dreaming about people that have passed on, it heightens during this period of time for everybody, even people who don't believe or who aren't practitioners. Yes. I think, yeah. Does that kind of? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I um, think it's really, uh, I definitely feel that you see it a lot more in dream, in dream work and just like, I don't like random ideas, like things that you aren't normally thinking about, or like people that you haven't normally thought about suddenly, like your great grandfather is in your head for no reason at all. And that's definitely a symptom of the veil thinning. Yeah. Today I was like, Oh, I would, I would call my dad today. <laughs> normally, you know, my dad and I, um, weren't tight so like normally it would be like a couple of months in between calls or something like that mm-hmm. I was like oh today would be a day I would call my dad <laughs> so definitely like popping in my brain there mm-hmm. yeah so I think that um people that are practitioners use this period of time when the veil has thinned 
to be able to enhance their communication with um, ancestors, with spirit guides, and also their their power, their divination power, right? right. They use it intentionally. Mm -hmm. um, people who aren't practitioners, I think that they, like we said, they're just exposed to it more and they, you know, it's spooky season or whatever, <laughs> right? And then they're, right. Like, they, they're more aware of it even when they don't know and that's one of the things that are like the cool things that I like um, always mention that people don't notice how certain things become mainstream and they don't know their background right like like Halloween and like it all being like you know ghosts and you know and witches and stuff like that right and they don't know that it's all about you know like what our last episode like in Dia de los Muertos or even from the Catholic tradition you know Hall Saints Day or um from the um from the northern hemisphere practitioners you know the whole Samhain you know mm -hmm. and so they don't like they're mainstream they don't know and they're out celebrating and getting you know skeletons and getting um phantom not phantom um ghosts mm -hmm. and then you know and it's all because of the veil is thinning and because that naturally it marks a spot so it's like they're, they're oblivious but still all the time yeah they're partaking in it without noticing yeah um yeah but i think it's a really good time for people that are practitioners and people who want to enhance their connection to be able to convene with the spirit world and learn from it or just venerate it right and mm -hmm. we spoke a little bit about it in our past episode when we spoke about the Dia de los Muertos how it's like a celebration and you're inviting your family to come back and you're just partying with your loved ones that are gone um but if you set up like an ancestor um table right mm -hmm. and or if you normally have an ancestor altar this is a good time to like spruce it up talk to them get more information even put in your like petitions for the things that you want them to help you with in the upcoming months or year. Yes. Because they're there and they're like, you got their year, right? It's not like, it's not like sending smoke signals up. Oh, another thing that's, that's fun. Smoke signals, right? Which is what we use to contact spirits and have them, you know, know that we're calling them. There you Absolutely. Go. <laughs> I, I just love the, the synchronicities. Um, but it's a good time for you to just like, you know, talk to your ancestors directly. You mean, you I think people that do have an ancestor um, altar do normally speak to their ancestors, but at yeah. this period, I think that they'll be able, be able to hear them speak back a little better. Absolutely. And it is like, so like Dia de los Muertos is, is a party. It's a celebration. And, you know, what at parties, sometimes we look to make connections that might help us throughout the year, like a beneficial connection. So it's kind of the same thing. Like you're talking to your ancestors, you're talking about what you want, um, what you're looking forward to in the next year and you're seeing if you can make any good connections to like help you out. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, so yeah, so basically, you, and it's good idea now before or while while we're going into this period to sort of understand what your spiritual intentions are for the upcoming period of time so that you can be clear on it. Because if you're not clear, then you can't, it's like setting goals, right? If you don't set a goal, then you can't do anything about it. You can't work towards it. And you're just kind of like blindfolded and going around like, uh-oh, how do I get there? But if you set your actual intentions and what you want, then you can try to see who the right connections are, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. um, who can assist you. And, oh, you came back, you were frozen. And, oh. um, <laughs> and also like, you know that this period, the messages that you're receiving 
are more trustworthy because i know that often we kind of like doubt ourselves or we doubt the messages or we like oh yeah sure that's not that big a deal right and with this period of time you're like oh no this definitely is because this is that period of time absolutely so yeah okay so let's talk a little bit about um so we talk about what the thinning of the veil is we talked about when it happens um a general like what we can do about it but um so I want to talk a little bit about like spirit guides and ancestors what they are and how we can notice or work with them does that sound good to you sounds good so ancestors you want to start with ancestors so ancestors are obviously going to be people from your past um in your bloodline or I guess people that you've connected to in like an ancestral way um that's going to be, I don't know, for me, it's people who I have felt drawn to their stories, like that's going to be my biggest one who I look towards in my ancestors, my great great grandmother who I heard about when I was a child. Um, And, and then I don't know, like people from the past where I really came from the from the Nahua people from my connection to Central America from that land, like that ancestral land is going to be a play an important role during this time and having like ancestral dirt on your ancestral altar is going to be really powerful um and then my ways of connecting are going to be meditation automatic writing are my two and then just prayer and dreams yeah i i agree ancestors are definitely for me they're related to blood and to like culture like you said like from places of origin yeah so maybe not somebody that you was directly related to you but was like a figure or important person from your country and from your from your land and from your place of origin because they you know that that pool is definitely from where you were generated so it's like this it's like closer to the source right right it's like oh we're all source energy but like source energy from you know this place in specific is going to be more related or more attuned to your own vibrations agree and so um i think that the best way to work with ancestor with ancestors is to have an ancestor altar. And Mm -hmm. I think just talking to them and getting to know them through history, like formal history of your own family, like maybe like looking up like DNA and ancestry dark stuff, you know, I was going to say somebody, but you know, those, all these different places that are allowing you to find different information, Mm -hmm. be old school way, just doing a, you know, a family tree and getting old pictures of memorabilia or nowadays just doing it on the computer with all the assisted information that exists. Um, visiting your land of origin, learning the language of origin. I think we mentioned this in um, our North when we talked about working with the North. Right. Um, because um, it is the place for ancestors. And um, like you mentioned, having earth from your location, having tools like I use, um, like my offering bowls are all like coconuts or igueras, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're from back home and that's what we use. And instead of like using, you know, my, if I were, I don't use runes, but similar, you know, are the, the caracoles, right? Mm-hmm. So the shells. So it's just continuing that practice because it aligns with the things and the materials that you came into, right? Because when you go back to different theories, you chose where you were going to be born and you chose to, to belong to that lineage, right? Right. So those things, even when you're removed, like we are, because we're, you know, 5,000 miles away, um, there's what, you know, you, you can still strengthen and honor that connection and that culture 
in different ways. So like, and I mentioned studying, I said, studying the language, studying your ancestry, studying the history of the country as well, and belonging to groups that um, still celebrate like the arts, crafts, folklore, traditional stories, buying those, you know, literature, like in short stories and stuff from that country or folklorical stories. I think all that's important. Mm-hmm. And then the connection, the physical connection and visiting the country, of course, if possible. Yeah. Um, so that goes to like old, like ancestry, like big heritage, right? Like the whole thing. And then underneath that directly with your family and with your family, obviously the ancestor altar, talking to your family members that are alive, recording them. I just did this a couple of weeks ago. I talked to my aunt mm-hmm. and it was so impactful. Um, I talked to my aunt on my dad's side and I told her, you know, I just want to talk to you a little bit about, because I have some, you know, details like messed up or I don't know or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, obviously she told me a little bit about like her her family and whatever, but like broad strokes long, and then it becomes more of her story. And it was super impactful because she's, um, you, you know, she doesn't, she never married. She doesn't have kids. So there's nobody that's creating and going to continue this story of hers as alive as people that you know because you remember mostly your stories your parents your siblings your grandparents right it's mm-hmm. like easier when you're having community with somebody every single day so for her to have somebody to come in and to still keep alive her stories her memories it's going to be harder and right. so you know it was it was really cool it was um it was impactful oh. so yeah and then ancestor altar like I said, it's good to, like you mentioned in Dia de los Muertos, you know, put up their favorite foods, put up something silly from like, like a joke you remember with them, pictures of them if you have them, remembering that pictures is something that's only about like 200 years old or something like that. Right. So before that, there were other ways of like the dolls and the spirit dolls and stuff like that. If sugar you think skulls. That that's yeah. Sugar skulls and spirit dolls and those so. Um, those can be equally representative or just like before that, even like the family Bible and the family Bible, you know, that the first page, they would write everybody's name. Right. So it was like the family tree was there. And so mm-hmm. that's also a cool thing to include on your altar if you had it. Um, so I think that's, you know, OK, so big picture heritage and then direct ancestors and um and then trying to do something special because it is a special time. So they're being invited. So you want to take, take that extra step to make it like something that they're going to remember. And, you know, like, oh, yeah. that party was bomb. I want to come back next year. right? Exactly. Yes. Or, yeah, she really is honoring and respecting us. And I want to give her, uh, you know, a little extra hand. <laughs> you know, it's like when they were alive, they would press your hand. And when you opened your hand, you had a $5 bill in your hand. Yeah, so the spiritual equivalent, right? You want them to press your hand, then there's gonna be what? There's gonna be a little push. There's gonna a be a little present. nudge. Yeah, a little nudge from the spirit world. Yes, definitely. Um, so yeah, and I think that segues and leads into the other thing that I was gonna mention, which is like spirit guides, right? And we can do a whole episode um, on spirit guides at another time. But the important thing is because there's so many, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's so many different things. But um, the conversation you and I were having before we started recording, which is what our spirit guides, you know, does the thinning of the veil? No, the actual question was, does the thinning of the veil impact connection to spirit guides or not? Mm -hmm. Right. And then what we basically said was not that much, just in one or two sections, which would be people that had been incarnated. right? Right. 
So that's why it's much more focused when the thinning of the veil is up that it's um, ancestors because they had been incarnated. They had been people that were in our families or in our lineage before. And so since they had been incarnated at some time, we feel their presence more when the veil has thinned mm-hmm. versus like your higher self or angels or right, animals right. or stuff like that, that they're accessible all the time, right? And um, so the thinning of the veil doesn't affect your ability to be able to connect to those spirit guides because it's not because they're not coming through a little bit more because they're not in a separate plane, right? Right. They're they're here or they're at the same plane all the time. So the only other ones that would be affected by the thinning of the veil, again, people that had been incarnate, but aren't necessarily your um, ancestors, but that may be people that you want to connect to because of relevancy i guess like yeah right so like i'm a palmist so if i wanted to connect with like a super famous palmist from 200 or 300 years ago um then this would be the time to be able to like invoke and see like i'm you know maybe they're not gonna pay attention to me but i'm gonna have a higher possibility of them actually hearing me and saying who's that chick let me see let me go check it out you know then at another period of time right when the veil isn't thinner and then it's like not only is there this distance where we're not connected by lineage and we're not connected by um they're not on my spiritual team then in addition like the veil being thick there would have been more muffling of sound right yeah while with the thin being with the veil being thinner then it's easier for like my message to get through absolutely it's like it's easier to get a a hold of a famous person when they're not famous anymore (laughs) (laughs) when everybody's forgotten and they're not you know being 100 bodyguards then they'll they're ready for interviewing yes (laughs) then they're ready for interviewing they're like oh somebody remembers i was you know (laughs) yeah so i think that's the only other one besides ancestors so people that you want to connect and that's why um what's it called is it seance is that the seance, name? Seance. Seance. Yeah. I think that's why seances are so popular at this time of the year as well. Absolutely. And like, if you look back at the Victorian history, this is the time of the year that they would be doing them. It was near Halloween, Samhain, thinning of the veil, the whole thing. That's when they would be doing um, more seances because they knew that the spirits were there. Yeah. And they were it- usually not trying to connect to a specific like family member. They were trying to connect with whichever one was near physically. Right. So that would want to come in because they 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 were kind of playing like, okay, who's here? You know? (laughs) Yes. Who's here? (laughs) Yeah, not calling anyone, just like, hey, someone who can hear me right now. Who's here? They they had no idea, right? (laughs) But I mean, pioneering right into that hole is then be and I mean you can talk to us a little bit about like herbs, like how to can how do people connect with um spirits through herbs? Because I know before it used to be through teas. Right. So um, with herbs, teas, anything like that, it's a lot through the olfactory sense. And it's like those smells waken something in your mind that it's just, it's different. And the messaging is different. And you get like images, like if you drink a marigold tea right now or something like that, it's going to really, I don't know, it's just more powerful. It's more impactful. You get this weird, strange connection to the past that I don't think is as strong when you drink it like in other times of the year. Okay. And then with, what would you say would it be like marigold? 
Uh, um, so ancestral herbs are going to be just like, think of like old, uh, like oak is a really big one. Um, things that we've always known we've worked with. So even you like the scent of Copal is going to be an extra yeah. strong, crazy one. Palo Santo. Um, uh, Calea. Um, I think I've, I've heard of it being um, for like lucid dreaming. For which one is it? Calea. Like Kalea? Ka yeah, like Kamea, but with an L. Kalea. I don't know that herb. Okay. I mean, I probably do, but just not by that name. Yeah. Um, we'll look it up. Yeah. But like Palo Santo is going to be Copal, uh, Oak. Any of like Cedar is a big one. Like any strong old symbols uh, are going to be, those are going to be your ancestral herbs. And seeing that you mentioned a couple of um, trees, right? Palo Santo, Cedar, and Oak. Mm -hmm. Um would it be possible and i don't know how these i have i'm you know i'm not a plant chick um but would it be possible like for example me being from puerto rico to do something from a ceiba which is like our national tree absolutely I how do you actually, do it is it just with the bark or how does it work um so you would have to like i'd have to look up that tree but i i uh, was reading some stuff about puerto rico a couple of weeks ago and i was reading about that tree and the flower your guys's flower is super important too okay. like super important um so with that tree i do believe it's the bark but also um i mean you want to use like the the sticks and things to create to bring stuff into your home okay like for decorations and stuff and then yeah, yeah. We use um, it a lot for art. Like they, they use it a lot as like the background for like a metal repujado. So like for the metal that you've like pushed figures into it. Cool. Yeah. So lots of like of the local artisans in Puerto Rico use like ceiba wood and then they or they'll use ceiba or they'll use guayacan is the other one. Mm -hmm. um, they'll use those two woods a lot and sort of as the base of the things that they're creating. If it's not like a bowl or, or anything like that. Um, but if it's just like decorative, they'll mm -hmm. use that and then they'll use either it's usually metal repujado, which is just metal, thin metal, because we have lots of metals too. And then they've dug in the drawing into it, you know? I don't know how to explain it, but. Cool. Because no, I'm not crafty either, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I suck. I'm not crafty. I'm not kitcheny. I'm not. You are crafty. You are. Please. You are all of those things. Um, no, I would say, though, with those figures, they're really calling in your ancestors for like a. It's probably a, a source of protection as well as just mm -hmm. a decorative figure okay. yeah okay no yeah, I would just I wonder if like for like lucid dreaming or for bringing in like for ancestral connection if like making a tea out of those trees you know barring that they're not poisonous or whatever that's what um, I was gonna <laughs> say yeah it would usually be from the bark so you soak the bark and uh -huh. then uh, you soak it for about 20 minutes before adding heat to it. Then you add heat to it, uh, probably for about 20 more minutes, let it boil. And then and then you would be good to go for the tea. Mm, okay, I'm going to do that. Nice. I'm, I'm going to find out if it's not poisonous first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm almost positive it's not, but don't take my Yeah, I, don't, I yeah. think it's not because if they had been, you would have heard of it. You yeah, know? I feel like they would. You, I would have read a heard warning. of it already. Yeah. Would have heard like you know, and and it's used so much. And like I said, like in art, in like furniture making and art and stuff like that. Then you know. Yeah, typically yeah. if you can have it around your home and you can work with it with bare hands, you're yeah. going to be fine to it's ingest fine. it. Just yeah. not oh, like overly ingested. Right, and um, the seba is is super powerful, and you know it's, it's well. I mean, have you heard the story of Groot? Right, I told you yeah. about it. So Groot from like um. The movie? The guys, yeah, the ones flying around galaxies. 
What is it called? Guardi Guardians of the Galaxy? So yeah, okay. the one that says I'm Groot, whatever. So uh -huh. there's a there's an origin story of Groot and he's a Saber from Puerto Rico. How cool. And from the then yeah. And the Saber was obviously um honored by the Tainos, which were right, you know, the original inhabitants of Puerto Rico. So yeah. So very cool. There you go. He's he's a Saber. <laughs> I have to look it up. I'll link it for you or find the story and we can you can put it in the show notes and people can link it. It's really cool. Absolutely. Um, okay, so spirit guide. Well, you jotted that down on our list, spirit guides, because spirit guides are, you know, there's animals, there's angels, there's deities, there's um, star for people that are star seeds, there's uh, galaxial beings, there's um, the light um, beings, light beings, just energy source. There's your higher self. There are people that are like assigned to you from like the beginning and they're there like the whole time i don't know what is she doing <laughs> and then there's people that just um come in for short periods of time and can be seen almost like mentors right like mm -hmm. while you're growing into like a power or while you're um managing a new stage of life or whatever and then they're just there for that short period of time um there's archetypal energies there is missing somebody i think i got them though yeah oh, oh and then and then spirits and then like all the animist spirits right when you're an animist oh. spirit and all the animist spirits which is you know the house and the rock and the spirit and the river and everything right, right. And, and the and the coqui and the whale and everybody right yeah so there's um and there's spaces as well right the x woods or x park whatever they have their own um spirits and and form of being and coming and showing themselves so yeah, I think that's a pretty, I mean, I just rattled it off, but I think, I think that's, that's pretty much the list yeah. for guides. And then I think that's something that um, many people don't understand. And they're like, they just think that, you know, oh, my spirit guide, they think it's one person or that it's like an ancestor or something like right. that. And they don't know that it's like this whole range of options yeah. and that it's fine and then some people get like obsessed with oh i need to know who's you know my spirit guide i want to connect with them or whatever and i think that more than having to know who they are it's understanding how you can receive your messages from them and the two main things i tell people is obviously to pay attention to synchronicities which we mentioned it here just a few minutes ago because mm -hmm. synchronicities are huge or no i think you and i talked about it at the beginning before we oh, recorded yeah you might be right yeah <laughs> i think so yeah so maybe we should repeat it just in case if not well <laughs> um so yeah when we were discussing if like the thinning of the veil affects or doesn't affect your connection to spirit guides we mentioned it only affects ancestors and others that have been incarnate, right? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't affect those who haven't been incarnate because, you know, they're there all the time. However, you and what we talked about was that practitioners or people that want to foment or establish or strengthen that connection with those spirits and that team of spirit guides can do so at any time of the year. They don't have to wait for when the veil is thin. And they can do that through meditation, journaling, like you do automatic writing, right? But also by paying attention. Yes, <laughs> the biggest one. We live in automatic pilot so much we don't even notice all the flashing neon signs that we're getting all the time, yes. right? And so, by paying attention and um, and what we're looking at there is synchronicities in words, timing, um, numbers, 
you know, that's why they call them the angel numbers when people are like, oh, I saw 11, 11. Oh, I saw five, right. five, five, whatever. It, you know, when you look at those, that numerology has a meaning and it's like, it's telling you one and one again and again, because it's telling you something, right? And you should actually yeah. like pay attention, see where you were, see what you were thinking and follow up. What does that number mean? You know, in numerology terms so that you can follow the message. Yes. And the same thing with synchronicities, you know, suddenly you're, you're talking about something and obviously we have to put the the power of I don't know I call it the power of Facebook <laughs> that you talk about something and then they <laughs> pop up an ad yeah. <laughs> he, he's a massive <laughs> Facebook spirit guide there you go <laughs> totally not um, creepy at all <laughs> not creepy at all you know but the truth is that it, what they're doing is picking up on patterns right, right. they've they found a way to alphanumerically create a pattern for and they're using it for purchasing right right or to move you towards purchasing but those patterns that they're identifying are there because your spirit guides are giving you messages right big time so that's what you have to be paying attention to right mm -hmm. so like what were those words what were those messages who are they mentioning so right. i think it's numbers words um coincidences like meeting up with a person like when you're like oh i ran into you and then you ran into them again and somewhere else dude pay attention you're supposed to know this person right right i saw this you get chick that deja vu feeling yeah or today i saw this chick that she's like oh like i guess there was like a meetup thing and she's like the only person that came to this thing i had met them at this other thing and i'm like you guys are supposed to be friends. So what'd you do about it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, hello, they put her in your path twice, you know, right? in one weekend. It's like, dude, you know, you got to know this person. Right. And people just like think like, oh, that's so fun. And it's like, don't be a ditz, you know, right. notice, notice how, how like this is coming to you at a point, at a point, like what it, you have to dig a little deeper. What is it supposed to be? You know, right. I don't know. Is there anything else you want to add? Yeah. I Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, kind of going along with that, if you do find yourself, let's say, speaking to an ancestor, and then the next day, something good happens, make that connection, like, yeah. see that connection, because now, you know, like, I'm going to keep talking, I'm going to keep talking in this way, or if you bought, brought, like, a candy that you weren't sure about, and something worked out, boom, that's the candy you are getting a sign, like, yeah, definitely. And I work, I work with incense a lot. Mm -hmm. um see what happens after using certain incenses more than others because they have different purposes you know this isn't just like oh i bought these at the dollar store you know it's like certain incenses are made to foment communication with ancestors certain um incenses are for positivity some of them are for protection so like yeah like see which one is working for you and for your communication and for your spirit guides and for, you know, your ancestors or spirit guides to respond to. Right. Yeah. And then uh, one last thing I wanted to say a little bit about working with your ancestors, because I want to completely acknowledge that not everyone has access to their background. Um, and that's just something that happens to us. So for that, I definitely recommend meditation and automatic writing or def journaling after meditation because even though you're unsure of maybe where you come from, where you come from is not unsure of you. Mm -hmm. So really focusing inwards and listening to what comes up. And even if you're like, 
right now for automatic writing, I would recommend like right now I want to, I want to learn more about my great, great, great grandmother. You can go four or five times past and really think about that, light a candle, do a little bit of meditation and try to like picture what she might've looked like or what might've been going on or parts of her personality and let that story come out and have that be, that story is a part of you. You're getting that from somewhere and trust that. Yeah. So yeah. I love that. Very beautiful. Okay. You want me to roll into astrology? I do. Are you sure? You just want to skip it maybe? (laughs) I feel like I know I want to skip it, but I also want to know what's coming. Okay. So we're doing October 23rd through November 5th, right? Yes. Okay. October 23rd, the sun and Venus both go into Scorpio. So Scorpio season starts. Yay. <laughs> and I just told you a little bit, a little bit of the meme, the little meme that I saw. Yes. That's like other signs prepping for Scorpio season. And everybody's like um, doing like hurricane prep. And yeah, boarding you know, their house. Boarding their houses <laughs> and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, do I need to say more? <laughs> God. You can find the full astrology forecast right on okay. But um, yeah, sun and Scorpio. I mean, I think Scorpios are very misunderstood at times because it is a water sign right it is actually an emotional sign but it is the um it is fixed so it means that they're stubborn it means that they can't accept change well it means that um it's a big force right and then so mm-hmm. it's not the same a little bit of you know a creek you know a little creek of water is nice and playful you know you master it versus a big wall of ocean water that's coming at you is going to wipe away two miles of coastline right (laughs) Right. and that's you know the difference between um (laughs) scorpio and well who's the i'm missing and a pisces or whatever you know Mm -hmm. um so it's different right (laughs) so so that's the thing and then venus and scorpio you know scorpio rules amongst other things and scorpio rules death taxes reform um, rebirth transformation other people's money but what people always remember about scorpio is that it rules sex mm-hmm. <laughs> and so i like to remind people it, it rules sex it does not rule orgasms because orgasms go in the in leo because we right. are all about fun right yes so scorpio is just about sex and that can include the shame of sex taboo sex obsessive sex genitals and stuff like that so it's mm-hmm. like more the porn industry than the Cinderella story, right? Gotcha. <laughs> and so, um, so Venus and Scorpio is all about, you know, much more gritty and, you know, obsessive and, phys- you know, the physical expression and I'm going to suck your life force out of you through sex and stuff like that, right? <laughs> and if not, or like they do it so well that I'm obsessed with them and I can't think about anything else, right? Even what's right. for me. So that's kind of what we get. So Sun and Scorpio and Venus both go into Scorpio on the 23rd. Then the 24th, nothing's happening because we're still getting over the shock. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like Scorpios. I mean, I've dated a couple of them, so that's cool. And I have a, a Scorpio son. So, and I mean, he's a big marshmallow. The big marshmallow with big feelings. <laughs> and those big feelings can be hard to manage at times. Then the 25th. Okay. So the 20, you remember on the full moon in on the ninth right i told you anything that starts to unravel is like a precursor to what was coming for the eclipse season right yeah so the 25th eclipse season starts yeah okay <laughs> so eclipse season and this is it and i mean it's warming me up because it's a solar eclipse not a lunar eclipse the lunar eclipse is in the next podcast 
but it's the solar eclipse. Solar eclipses just happen when there's a new moon and lunar eclipses happen when there's a full moon. Okay. So it's the school, it's the solar eclipse in Scorpio at two degrees. So just starting off. Um, and the important thing is that the underlying motivations are going to surface. So why things are happening, why people are doing certain things, those things are going to be revealed. Okay. Okay. So whatever was like starting to like bother you or unravel or whatever, the reasons why are going to be evident with this um, first eclipse. Okay. Okay. And then, and remember that the eclipses all go in tandem with the whole North and South node that we discussed at the beginning of the year, right? Because the North and the South node this year, they're changing the balance and that takes about 18 months. And it was between Scorpio and Taurus. So leaving behind the things that you don't need, which was Scorpio and moving forward with the things that you do desire and need, which is the Taurus, right? Okay. And that was that switch. We talked about that a bit at the beginning of the year. So this eclipse is sort of like, still like it, it's tearing away at what you don't need, which is that Scorpio that you're trying to leave behind so that you can move forward to the North node in Taurus. So that's why things become you know, secret surface truths become become revealed because you need some harsh things to come up so that you are like, oh, no, 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 I'm not dealing with that shit or I'm not standing for that. Right. Right. And before you can cut, sometimes you need reasons. Okay? Right. So that's what that eclipse is going to be bringing for us. Okay. Then let's move on. We're on, only on day three. <laughs> oh, then um, the 26th, we have Mercury's trining Mars. This is a good um, day for negotiations. You're going to be thinking quickly. Because Mercury and Mars, you know, Mercury's communication, Mars is action. You, it's good for business deals. It's like, oh, yeah, it's a good idea. Okay, I'll buy, you know, so many of these. Boom. It's take, making quick decisions, going for it, because it's a positive aspect, right? Um, it'll be easy to speak. It'll be easy to negotiate, that kind of thing. Okay. Right. On the 27th, we have Jupiter and Pisces. Um, the Jupiter and Pisces will, so it's been in Aries, right? And it was in, in Aries during its retrograde. It's moving into Pisces, and it'll be in Pisces until... Um, December 20th. So the next two months, basically, right? Okay. And Jupiter and Pisces is a little softer. It um, allows for spiritual growth. It, um, it helps mysticism grow. Everything that is, you know, more of the love and light approach. So for the next two uh, months, we'll be feeling that Jupiter, that expansion will be focused on those areas. So it's like wanting to know more about spirituality, wanting to know more about other people's practices, wanting to like the whole Jupiter expands and Pisces is all that. And also it'll be good for music. So like new music products, new creative processes, all those things will be highlighted, right? right. And it'll be popping up because it's that Jupiter and Pisces. It's flowing in that energy. Okay? Excellent. And that'll happen until December 20th. Which again, when you look at the wheel of the year, makes total sense because we are going inward. We are looking at our spiritual practices. We're communing with the ancestors. We're deciding what our new year, because our new year starts pretty soon, is going to be in terms of like our spiritual path and what we want to do. So it just makes total sense, right? Okay, so then the 29th, we have Mercury goes into Scorpio. Mercury is always going to be pretty close to the sun and to Venus because they are the closer the inner planets, um, the personal personal planets and then um so mercury's communication scorpio you know guys i don't mention so it's going to be easy for you to talk about everything scorpio related right that may be wills and inheritance and trust and taxes and stuff like that or it could be about trauma and sex and death and stuff like that right and so 
it's just like that day like that theme will be sort of like highlighted okay then on the 30th a big <laughs> thing happens <laughs> a big thing happens this is pretty big um this will be um mars goes retrograde okay okay mars goes retrograde uh, mars only goes retrograde every two years so you know how everybody gets all up and flustered about Mercury being retrograde and Mercury's in retrograde 19.5% of the year. Okay. Okay. Right. And people get like, oh, Mercury. totally. And they, they, and they go crazy. Um, Mars only goes retrograde once every two years, every 26 months to be exact. And yeah. And I, I think it's way bigger than Mercury oh, no. because Mars rules. What is Mars rules? It rules your energy. It rules your passions. It rules your vitality. It rules your vigor. It rules um, your anger, right? Mm-hmm. So it rules sports. It rules head injuries. It rules um, accidents, right? So all these, you know, Martian things, risk-taking, all that is going in retrograde. Okay. Uh, which means that naturally people will have less energy, less vigor, less vitality, less interest in sex, right? So like if you're in a marriage that's not having a lot of sex and then Mars retrograde comes in and it's going to run until Jan- January 12th, you're like suddenly like, oh shit, I had a three month dry spell. I wonder what's going on. It's that Mars retrograde, right? Obviously it's not going to come out of the nowhere. If somebody's, you know, having sex every, you know, two days or whatever, They'll, it might go down to like once a week, but a couple that's not as vigorous, they might suddenly like go into a dry spell and not notice why it's because of hmm. this. Interesting. People that are like tired will suddenly feel like exhausted. People that are very energetic might feel like slow, right? It just brings everything down one notch. So it's okay. not going to, it's not going to drag everybody down to base zero, but it's definitely going to bring down at least one level, right? Everything just gets heavier. Everything gets like slower and like okay. less, there's less energy, right? Because okay. it's like when you're going and in de- instead of going up the escalators, when the escalators are going up, you're going up the escalators when they're going down. And this is October 30th through January 12th? Correct. Wish you've got those dates in your brain, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Just like, I'm remembering this shit. <laughs> okay. Now, here comes the bad part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, the no energy. Part, okay. Yeah, that wasn't the bad part. No. <laughs> the the bad part is that this Mars, Mars is currently in Gemini. Mm-hmm. So this Mars retrograde will feel like a really long Mercury retrograde. Because Gemini, since it's in Gemini, everything that Gemini controls will be highlighted. So technology, communication, travel, so forth. So everything that we always say, be careful about when there's a Mercury retrograde will be more so during the Mars retrograde because it, because it's the Mars, the vitality energy, plus all the Mercury stuff ruled by Gemini. Interesting. Because it's in in Gemini. Yeah. So this Mars retrograde will have a really big Mercury retrograde flavor. And people that don't know astrology will be like, are we in Mercury retrograde, right? Because people are like, this is, you know, Mercury retrograde has penetrated into like the mainstream and like even people that don't follow astrology kind of right. know about it, right? Yeah. So they're going to be like, we're Mercury retrograde or something's going on, right? They're going to, and it's going to have that same thing, like, um, you know, problems with tech and problems with communication and travel, but you add in things that are Martian. So like 
headaches, lots of headaches. People are going to be getting headaches, irritability. Why? Because remember that they control anger. So people are going to be irritable. They're going to be like snapping, this right? Great for the holiday season. <laughs> great for family commuting, right? Oh my um, and then accidents, right? So normally when you have the retrogrades, you have accidents. So if it's Mars, it's going to be head accidents. But if it's Mercury, which is under Gemini, well, if it's Gemini, not Mercury, because Ben, um, Virgo controls another section. So if it's Gemini, it's the hands. So, you know, don't chop off your fingers during the holidays. Don't use the electric ah! knife <laughs> to carve up the turkey. You know, you've been warned, people. You have been warned. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> and then, so yeah, so that's that's basically you know what's coming up with that. Um, but things to pay attention to is you know to your sexual health, to um, your head, to your energy levels. And I mean, the best thing that you can do when you're having a retrograde like this is to have a consistent schedule. Okay. Because if you allow yourself to just flow, you're not going to be flowing too much. You're going to be Netflixing <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so yeah, that's the end of, and then let's see the beginning of November seems pretty chill. At least I didn't write anything down. And then the fifth, which is our last day of this forecast we have Venus in opposition to Uranus, which are big changes in your love life. Um, stimulation. Oh, uh, it'll be a very electric day because Uranus is all electric and Venus is all about like, um, obviously love, relationships, your home, your budget and stuff like that. So this could be either like sudden changes in your love life or it could be sudden changes in your budget. Um, just be careful with your money and don't, like if you've been holding things in, get it off the table before October 30th, because after October 30th, you're going to be more irritable. And then come that Venus opposition, um, Uranus on the 5th, you know, you're already in Mars retrograde, you're in a bad mood. And then they come around and says like, Sap, I'm going to do something fun and, you know, off, off chart. And then you're just like reacting and not being proactive. That's right. the only thing I could say. Okay. And then the sixth, I mean, I'm just going to throw it in there is a, is a, you know, blah day. So, okay. So just, you know, be careful that weekend. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God. All right. And to wrap up, I'm going to speak a little on Oak or Encino. The parts that are going to be used for this are going to be bark, acorn, and the leaf. It is used to treat diarrhea, dandruff, mouthwash, and skin abrasions. Uh, the properties it's known to have is that of an astringent, antiseptic, and expectorant. Magically, oak's considered masculine. It's associated with the sun and also with fire. And then also magically, it's going to be, um, it corresponds with protection, health, money, healing, potency, fertility, and luck. It was used during and since the Aztec rule as an effective remedy for diarrhea. It's used for both oral and skin irritations. More magically, two twigs of oak bound with red ribbon to form an equal arm cross. Um, That's a potent safeguard against evil and should be placed in the house. Using acorns or putting acorns up against your window seal is going to guard against the entrance of lightning. Carrying a piece of oak will ensure that you have good luck and that no harm will come to you. 
If you shall catch a falling oak leaf, you shall have no colds all winter. Light an oak fire if you have a sick person in your home to draw the illness out. And then lastly, planting an acorn in the dark of the moon ensures that you shall receive money in the near future. Yeah, that's a little bit about oak. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with another episode the week after next. But in the meantime, you can email us at thebrewhousebroadcast at gmail.com. For me, Dion, you can find my artwork at lasprimasmoritas.com. Or for booking healing work, I'm at unusualhealing.com. Or sdlunacy on Instagram. Great. And for me, Sasha, you can find me on Facebook with Brujeria 101. And you can all find me on Instagram as Brujeria101S, because <laughs> somebody had the 101. And I also have Brujeria101.com, and there we'll have like um, response buttons that you can push to Amazing. book like palm readings or natal charts and stuff like that. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much. 